Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I am your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of stillcurtain.com. Joining me today is Shane Kubis, contributor for Still Curtain. Shane, how's it going today? Pretty good. Anytime you get to talk about something important like training camp and getting close to when the preseason starts is always going to be fun. Yeah, we got some good topics to cover right now. Uh, we're, let's touch on some training camp notes real quickly. Lots to talk about in terms of uh, as far as training camp goes. A couple of injury mm-hmm. notes. Uh, Alex Highsmith, Kevin Dotson, Deontay Johnson, all out of commission temporarily. Their injuries don't seem to be significant. Highsmith uh, is dealing with a rib injury. Kevin Dotson injured his ankle, uh, and Deontay Johnson is dealing with a hip flexor. So uh, nothing major there. The Steelers have had a lot of injuries in terms of uh, quantity, but nothing significant. And so we're very fortunate to be able to avoid any major injuries, especially in in light of the news that the Jets just lost Mekhi Becton, it looks like, for the season. That's a big one. Yeah, it's definitely obviously you'd never want to see any injuries, but they're going to happen. But having them be minor ones that shouldn't really make an impact as of right now, at least it's good to see that, at least if nothing else. We'll take that. Uh, Kevin Dotson missed roughly half the season, the entire second mm-hmm. half, actually, last year uh, because of a high ankle sprain. And so love to see him get back in there soon and start getting those reps. Not impressed with what I've seen from Kendrick Green. I spent a few days down at camp last week. And uh, he's it's just rough. It's I don't know what else to say. I don't know how to sugarcoat that. But uh, especially in one-on-ones, man, that guy really struggles with power. And so I, I think that Green is going to ultimately win that job. I just want to see him getting more reps and ultimately just taking that over from uh, or Dotson running that job. And I think he, I want to see him take it over for Green. And we'll see if that happens at some point during the preseason or or by the end of training camp here. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about Deontay Johnson's extension real quick. Yeah. Uh, this is a good one for the Steelers, right, Shane? I yeah, mean, absolutely. comes in below market value. And I think the, the ticker here is Johnson's only getting a two-year extension as opposed right. to the four- or five-year deal like uh, Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, some of these other guys who are locked into longer contracts with their team. Johnson's going to be able to go back and hit the free agent market. Uh, much sooner, at least a year or two sooner than all the other uh, receivers that signed from the 2019 class. And so he has that going for them. Uh, The Steelers kind of were able to hold the franchise tag over his head, I think, in these negotiations, because Mm -hmm. technically they could have franchised him not just once, but twice. And they would have paid a little bit more for that, but have been a little bit more risk on Johnson's part. He would have had to make sure that his performance for the upcoming season was top notch. He didn't take a step back in production. So, Shane, what are your overall thoughts on Johnson's deal? It does make a lot of sense for both sides because Johnson gets a hefty raise over the next two years after his final year's rookie contract this year. It does give him a little bit of stability. It gives the Steelers a top-notch player to pair with their young quarterbacks, whoever that ultimately ends up being. It definitely makes sense for both sides. I think for him, he's going to hit free agency again before he's 30 because he's going to be 29, I think, at the time when he's actually going to hit free agency. They can then reassess, do we want to bring him back on a long deal again? Does he want to hit free agency? How do we want to go about it? But it keeps him in the building while they're trying to develop, you know, Kenny Pickett, 
uh, Rudolph probably not gonna have to worry about him here soon, but Trubisky as well. Like whoever it is is gonna really benefit from having him on the team for the next couple of years. Yeah, and that was the big thing for me. I talked about this on the pod with Marcus Mosier a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the main reason I did not want Deontay Johnson to leave is because I think it, that would be really detrimental to the development of Pickett. Yeah. Uh, Trubisky, I mean, that he's a veteran guy. He might be able to get around that, but there's no sense of hurting your offense when it's already hurting. And I think that they were able to keep him at the right price. Really pleased with the numbers that we have on him. Yeah, uh, The Steelers were able to absorb some of that this year. So instead of taking his uh, normal fourth-year rookie cap hit, they were able to push that number up to 7.6, which yeah. means that the following two years are going to be uh, $16.3 million in 2023 and $15.8 million in 2024. That is an absolute bargain if you're looking at it in terms of uh, money against the cap compared to receivers in the NFL. By that point in time, that might be like 40th in the NFL. So that's a couple of years mm-hmm. in the future. So uh, very much pleased with uh, Omar Khan's willingness to get that done. And the numbers look super team friendly. Absolutely. And they, had, they have to start spending some money on offense. Like that's kind of the one thing that you can look at right now and say, you know, we have a very mm-hmm. young offense and that's part of why they're so inexpensive. But keeping the guys that are as talented as him around for at least a little bit longer than their rookie deal is going to become important while they develop these guys. Yeah. And he's certainly, I would say one of the top five or six kind of cornerstone players to this roster. Right now, mm-hmm. if you look at the roster as a whole, you're talking about a, a young guy who is uh, entering the prime of his career and is coming yeah. off of a, a pretty solid season. So uh, very glad that they were able to retain him. We're going to talk about more about the uh, the Steelers receivers in just a little bit here. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about a buzzing topic right now, <laughs> and that is Roquan Smith, Bears linebacker, former eighth overall pick, has requested a trade, and Steelers fans are losing their minds right now <laughs> thinking about the, the idea of, of being able to possibly pair a guy like Roquan Smith with Miles Jack in the front seven that you already have. Shane, what are your overall thoughts on this? Is this something that the Steelers could work out or should they do it? I think they could make it work if they wanted to badly enough. I I think the question is, do you want to commit even more long-term money to the defense, right? Because they've already, you know, they've signed TJ Watt, which obviously you have to do. You have Minka Fitzpatrick in a long-term deal. You have guys like Cam Hayward, who's still going to probably play for a good bit because he's just gotten better as he aged. Like you do at some point have to wonder, is it too much money on the defense, especially as some of these young players on offense come up for contracts, things are going to get tighter and paying a linebacker, what probably close to, if not at $20 million, which is what he's looking to get most likely. It's a lot for a position that is obviously important and important for the Steelers, especially, but it might be a little bit too rich for my blood with that. Yeah, and uh, Steelers spending 125 million on defense yes. in 2022. Right now, that is good for first in the NFL. They are mm-hmm. dead last in offensive spending. I believe that figure is 67 million. So quite the discrepancy between the yeah. two. And a lot of people will point to the fact that the Steelers have a lot of young players on offense, yes. guys on rookie deals. That certainly factors into it. However, I don't know if this is quite the healthy balance that you want to see, especially in like today's mm-hmm. passing league where so much revolves around a quality offensive line, a good passing game. And so uh, the Steelers, I think, are going to have to really think hard about how they want to distribute that money in the future, uh, get a little bit more balance going there. And so we look at Roquan Smith. I think we're talking about a quality linebacker here. I mean, I don't think his season 
last year, even though statistically it was off the charts right. uh, in terms of tackles and a couple splash plays. But uh, when it comes to just the overall performance, I think it was probably a little bit down from the previous seasons that we have seen from him. I don't think that makes him a bad linebacker. I think most of it has to do with Chicago being a dumpster fire franchise yeah. that, that has a couple <laughs> yeah. quality players on their roster right now. And so that's not really Roquan's fault. This is a guy that I loved coming out of Georgia. Yeah. Eighth overall pick in the draft fast uh, knows what he's doing at all times. takes good passes of the football, just a playmaker. And so would Roquan be an upgrade over Devin Bush? I absolutely think so. And how much of an upgrade would he be? <laughs> I think it's funny because I ideally we would want Bush to be what Smith is right now. Like that would be ideal for that him. That was the goal. Was, yeah. yeah, exactly to hit his ceiling. So if you want to have that player that you hoped you would get in Bush and guarantee it basically, that would be something you could do. Now, I do still think Bush has it in him to be probably not as good as I hoped he would be, but at least a quality linebacker. So it's it's tough for me because I'd rather at this point, especially if you have to give up serious draft capital or you'd have to put in a player that you don't want to have to lose you know people have mentioned like chase claypool is an option i don't like that until i see him in the slot this year but unless you're willing to give up that draft capital because you don't want to have to give up a major player too it's a big risk to again especially if he wants to get paid 20 million dollars a year yeah it, it certainly is and that's the other factor that you have to consider this is not simply a move of let's spend a pick on the guy and and mm -hmm. We'll worry about the rest later. You have to consider the salary cap implications if you trade for a guy like Roquan Smith. This isn't even comparable to trading for Minka a few years back, who still had two years and a fifth-year option remaining on yeah. his rookie deal. And so much, much different situation. This is a guy that if you trade for, you have to turn around and almost immediately give him a contract extension. And I don't know if that's in the cards for the Steelers. In the last, I don't know, roughly a year, so roughly a year ago that they signed – TJ Watts so in, in the last year, they made TJ Watt the highest paid edge defender in the NFL. They made Mika Fitzpatrick the highest paid safety in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Can they afford to have a guy that's going to be the third or fourth highest paid linebacker in the NFL? Possibly higher, but I, I kind of don't think that those figures jump over uh, the Shaquille Leonard or the, the, the Fred, Fred Warner of 19 plus million. That's getting yeah. a little rich for a guy that doesn't have a pro bowl in his first four years, although he's been a second team all pro guy. Uh, but the salary cap implications are huge. And so what are your thoughts on that, Shane? Like, would it, it, Do you think that the Steelers could find the right balance uh, between draft capital and spending financially to make that work? I think the issue ultimately is, first of all, you do have to have basically a deal in place prior to the trade, right? Because you're not going to yeah. trade for him without having some semblance of like, this is what the deal is going to look like. This is what you're, we're going to give you. And it looks like Smith probably isn't going to be down with the type of contracts that the Steelers generally give out. I don't expect them to put out serious guaranteed money for him if they wanted to give him a contract. You know, maybe they can still get close to what he wants, but I think this is about him being paid how he thinks he should be getting paid. And the Steelers are not the first team I think of that would actually give him that. It's probably going to have to be a team that is really hurting on defense, really needs somebody to kind of settle things down, and they have the cap space to say, hey, it may not be a premium position necessarily, but we can afford to bring him in and, and allow him to be that highest paid or close to highest paid linebacker. Yeah. And look at the investments the Steelers have already made into right. the off ball linebacker position, which if I were ranking things and putting them in order, that would not be high on the list of the positions that I would want to fork up elite money to, although the right. Steelers are kind of already there. So they paid miles Jack two years, $16 million contract this off season. A lot of people were, 
We're stoked about that. We'll see how it turns out. Right. I wasn't as high on Jack as it seemed like most of the media was because I think that Jack uh, is also coming off of kind of a down season. He does have the degenerative knee issue, 26 mm -hmm. years old, and that's something that he had coming uh, into the draft when he was a right. second-round pick from the Jaguars. And so a lot of factors to consider there with him. But they're spending good money on Jack, and then they're spending decent money on Bush still as a former first-round yeah. pick in his fourth year of his rookie contract. Uh, they did not pick up the fifth-year option, but we're looking at a guy that they spent a first and second-round pick to move into the top ten to grab this guy. Right. So would they be willing to get rid of uh, Bush and give up that experiment three years into his career, entering his fourth year? Uh, a lot of people point to the fact that Bush had a torn uh, ACL and that he was only one year removed from that. Maybe they think he'll be better two years removed. So a lot of uh, investments into the position already. And I don't know if they can afford to make another. Is that is that kind of how you're thinking on that? That's kind of the general consensus, I think, for a lot of people looking at this too, is you have a guy that you invested a ton in who admittedly, since getting injured and coming back last year, hasn't looked like the player he was beginning to be, especially beginning of 2020 before he got hurt. Like he did look like a guy who maybe wasn't going to be like a top five linebacker in the NFL, but was going to be a quality player for them. And that wasn't really the case last year. Now, I do think that he can get closer to maybe the player he was in 2020. And that's good enough for me to say that it's not worth the investment to upgrade, even though it would be an upgrade to Smith, especially if you have to pay him that much money. Yeah, Bush is – he made some plays early on. And I don't, I don't want to make this all about Devin Bush, but I don't feel like the Devin Bush that we've watched since the injury, I will say, and I don't know if it's injury-related or not, but I don't feel like the Devin Bush that we have watched since the injury is the same one that I scouted at Michigan. That guy was intense. Like he was firing to the football. Uh, it, he he had a plan. Like he would just wall up people. And so I feel like the Bush that we've seen as of late seems much more timid than that. I don't know if you get that impression of him as well. It's I will say it's, it's hard to say what he's going to be at this point just because with that injury in the ACL, it's something that's not as near nearly as big of a deal as it used to be, but it's still something that I think can take a while to come back from. So I want to give him the chance to see if he can actually fully recover from it and be the player that he, at least he was in 2020, which is a more than quality starting linebacker. Yeah. And I'm interested to see that too, because uh, I, I tried to do some research a little bit ago on linebackers who have successfully come back from ACLs and the success stories are, are pretty few and far between. I know like Quan Alexander, was one of them wasn't quite the same player when he came back. Obviously, yeah. Jalen Smith had a a rare knee injury with nerve damage, and and the yeah. guy can't cut at all. And so I don't know how much of that is affecting him. I mean, a linebacker, you got you're going to be on your toes, cutting left and right, and so a lot of lateral movements. Um, I I, I don't want to put that. I've had an ACL injury myself, and I feel oh, like God. I've been able to come back and come back strong from it. Uh, so that might not be the case. It might be totally unrelated to that. But the Steelers do need to figure out what they're doing there. Uh, with Devin Bush, and this is a huge year for him. I don't think, just knowing the Steelers uh, from what I've seen over them, at least during the Kevin Colbert era, this is not a team that likes to give up on draft picks easily. No. I mean, this is a team that was still, Jarvis Jones was still starting for them four years <laughs> into his mm -hmm. career, yeah. miraculously. Uh, Artie Burns, he, he was getting starts three years to an, into his career, and it took these teams that long to give up on them because they were high draft investments and they don't like to do that. And so I fully expect Bush to be the starter for the Steelers alongside Jack this season. I know that yeah. uh, Robert Spillane's looking pretty good. He can carve out a role this yeah. year, but 
but yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And if Bush struggles, maybe this is the year that they they pull the plug and say, "Hey, you're you're demoted. We're rolling with Spillane or whoever else, and and kind of going from there." So uh, the other thing I want to talk about with the Roquan Smith trade, I know the Bears. There's been rumors swirling out there. The mm-hmm. Bears would be asking a first round pick in return. They're not getting that. They're no. not getting that for a guy who is entering a fifth year option with nearly a ten million dollar cap hit this year. And a team needs to go around it, it turn around immediately and pay them. And so that's uh, the, the part that I think a lot of fans leave out when they're considering this trade uh, in terms of pure talent. You're talking about 25 year old linebacker who really yeah. has not disappointed. So he's worth a first round pick, but when you factor in the contract that he needs, that value goes down a little bit. So Shane, what would you say that that value is if you were to put a figure on him, what, what kind of compensation would you feel comfortable uh, giving the Bears to acquire a player like Roquan Smith? I think it starts with a second-round pick, and then maybe if you're the Bears or the other team that's looking to acquire him, if you have like a young receiver that doesn't have a clear path to playing time who might have a better chance of playing for the Bears and getting into their lineup, I'm sure that they'd want somebody like that just because the receiver depth is kind of famously bad at this point as far as how they approach it this offseason. So I think that they would love to bring back some sort of skill position player and then a second round pick, preferably. If you if they can't get a second round pick, I am asking for a decent player and maybe like a third or fourth at that point. Yeah, I would agree with you too. I think the second round pick is the starting point there. I think that uh, considering the relationship that yeah. they have with each other right now, I, I, the Bears might be thrilled to take a second round pick. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe they would leave it at the table. Who knows with that maybe, franchise? But yeah. uh, but bro, I mean, I think we're looking at probably a second round pick. Maybe a third rounder with a pick or with a, a player swap, a mid round pick with a player swap, which is, it begs another question. I mean, these are all scenarios that we shouldn't just throw out the window because Roquan is a good player and he'd be an immediate upgrade. I think we've already voiced that we wouldn't probably do it for the Steelers because of the financial shape that they're in right now and how much money they're already spending on the defensive side of the ball. However, mm-hmm. let's just explore this for a minute. If the Steelers were to try to pull off some sort of trade with the Bears for Roquan, beef up that front seven, give them another very good linebacker in there. Let's say that, uh, let's say that in addition to draft capital, it, it, they're not what Pittsburgh isn't willing to give up a high pick, but maybe they're willing to do a third or a fourth rounder. And we're looking at the Stewart's wide receiver depth right now. We've got a couple guys that aren't going to make the team. So do you think that the Steelers yeah. would have any interest in trading away a player like Chase Claypool was that's the name that's been thrown out there considering how good George Pickens it has been in training camp. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. So what are your thoughts on that? For me personally, at least I wouldn't want to trade chase at this point, mostly because I really want to see how effective he can be in the slot. Cause I've talked about it multiple times. I've written about it for the still curtain itself that I think that's his best role in the NFL as it stands. And maybe long-term as well, being that big slot receiver that you just can't match up with safeties, linebackers, you know, slot corners, they're not going to be able to hang with him. So I want to get the chance to see how that looks with this offense and having Pickens out there on the outside so that Claypool can stay inside mostly. So if I'm the Steelers, I'm not giving him up in a trade pretty much in any scenario, at least for Roquan Smith, obviously. There's certain things I might be able to, you know, Mm -hmm. want to move him for. But for this trade specifically, if it's not going to be him, if it's a third, if it, we do want to give a third round pick and a player, like they're going to have to take somebody farther down the death chart, like Miles Boykin or, you know, Miller, maybe like someone like that is going to have to be the guy that they get back if they're going to trade us Roquan at this point. 
Yeah, I, I would certainly agree with you there, Shane. And I, I mean, in my mind, if we're talking about a some blockbuster trade that includes quality players and quality yeah. draft picks, I want to do it for a, a money position. So yes. a, a position that I find more valuable and the NFL views as more valuable than an off-ball linebacker and preferably one on the offensive side of the ball, like an offensive yeah. tackle. But yeah, teams aren't giving up offensive no, tackles. And so not, no. that, therein lies our issue. Uh, yeah, I don't see something getting done with Roquan. I, ju- I just feel like the Steelers are in no position to do that. No. Um, they did use up a, a great deal of the, the cap space that they did have. Uh, they're, the, they're the highest spending defense in the league. They've got the highest paid edge, the highest paid safety, and they're investing very little money on the offensive side of the ball. Would it make the Steelers better? Yes, I think we would yeah. both probably agree that it would it would give them a boost on defense. But I don't think they're in a position to make that move at this point in time. All right. If you are a fan of Pittsburgh Steelers football and you would like to support the Still Curtain podcast, please consider subscribing to the Still Curtain podcast on YouTube. We appreciate your support. Shane, we're going to talk about something that Mm -hmm. has everybody, including you and I, (laughs) interested and glued to Twitter right now. And that is George Pickens in the splash that he has made at Steelers training camp. I can tell you from watching this guy firsthand, like I said, I spent a couple of days down there last week. Man, is he a cut above the rest in terms of what he brings to the table? He At 6'3 and a quarter, this guy is fluid. He moves like a, a much smaller receiver. He flashes laid hands, plucks the ball to the air. The body control is spectacular. Yeah. I, I thought Pickens was going to be a really good player. I'm 37th overall on my draft board. The Steelers picked him 52nd. I thought they got excellent value there. I did not foresee him... Be, being this good this early i know it's just training camp are we overreacting to this what have been your thoughts on george pickens so far at camp it's interesting because i did have a mid first actually on him if you just completely oh. take out the injury situation yes. because that did knock him for me right because you always have to worry about guys like that especially guys who play like him where he's an acrobatic receiver he likes to go get the football up in there he's he's that kind of guy you always do worry a little bit with guys like that if they have an injury history before they even get to the league. But if you take that out and just look at his talent level completely, he is a true X receiver as an outside receiver. He can go get the ball down the field. His route running still needs some work, but he's better at that than I would have expected coming out of Georgia just because they didn't ask him to do a whole lot of different things. But from a physical standpoint, there's not much he can accomplish outside, right? And I think it's a perfect complement to what they have with Deontay is a true separator. And then again, Chase is a big slot. I'm hoping this year he complements their skill sets perfectly. And I think he's going to get a lot of targets this year that would have probably gone to Chase, you know, in the last couple of years, those downfield throws that now they have a guy who's truly elite at that and is comfortable playing that role for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, going back to what you said about the injuries, it is a little bit concerning. And and I nicked him for that in my rankings as well, because I would have had him higher just based on the town of lower talking about a former five-star recruit, second overall wide receiver recruit in the nation. That doesn't always line up to NFL talent as we've seen in the past with players like Donovan Peoples Jones. Uh, But I did think his football, his natural football ability was just off the charts. This is a guy that uh, had a breakout year as a freshman, an 18 year old freshman, uh, but over the past two seasons, he has played a, in a combined just 12 games. So that part was a little bit concerning to me. Obviously, we hope to see much better health from Pickens moving forward. Uh, but that did play a factor as well. What I'm really interested in is be, it, now seeing just 
all, all these different uh, lineups that the Steelers have deployed so far during training camp, Pickens has been running as the X a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me because they've had uh, Claypool working the slot a lot when he's been healthy. Right. And they've had Anthony Miller as a Z, which in a, in a lot of cases, a lot of people think that those roles would be reversed. Uh, I'm interested in that. And, and I, I'm excited about that. What I really want to see, though, is Pickens, Deontay Johnson, and Claypool playing at the same time in 11 yeah. personnel. What does that look like? Because Pickens is primarily an X receiver. Deontay Johnson is an X receiver, played 93% of his snaps there last season, only 7% from the slot. Uh, Deontay Johnson, I think, is a quality X. He's a guy mm-hmm. that is very hard to press at the line of scrimmage. He gets quick separation. So having him on that lone receiver side, you can still count on him to get open and to be that top target for your quarterback. How do you see this playing out once Johnson does return from this hip flex where we get to watch these guys in extended action and, and see where they line up? Where, where do you think these guys are going to be lining up in 11 personnel and three wide receiver sets during regular season? I do think that right now, just because we've seen him do it, and I do want to let him continue to play that role, Deontay probably does have to stay at X. I mean, he beats press so consistently. Mm-hmm. His his ability to beat man coverage is, is up there with the best receivers in the NFL, and that's what makes him valuable to the team right now. I think a lot of it, though, is going to be determined by how much of a downfield element do we want to have with the offense you know, starting off. Like, if they want to push the ball down the field more, maybe you do see Pickens play, you know, true X a little bit more often just because he is more of that downfield player. He can still obviously do that from, you know, Z being the second outside receiver. He can still get down the field and use him that way. But I, it really is probably going to be based on that. If they want to attack down the field early in the season, if they want to make that an emphasis, you might see Deontay and him kind of switch back and forth to the single receiver side. And Chase, I do think, is going to be obviously the primary slot. So that's how I'm hoping they line up. I think it's the best use of their skill sets because you can still use Pickens in the way that he can be effective and you let Deontay still be that one-on-one guy that no one can cover straight up one-on-one in press especially. Yeah, I agree with you there, Shane. And considering how much time Deontay has missed in training camp already yeah. when, when we're talking about the hold-in, uh, and then he finally came back for a little bit, gets the hip flexor, and so – uh, he's a little shaken up right now. don't know when he's going to come back. It could be early next week. Uh, Steelers will probably play it cautious with him, I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, so having missed already that time, I do think the Steelers are, are probably most likely to keep Johnson primarily in that X role, although I can see them mixing things up. And, and I'm excited, like you, the fact that they've played Claypool in the slot so much during uh, training camp, it's probably pretty good indication that he's going to be playing that role in the 2020 se- in 2022 season. And uh, I think that, I think that probably what's most likely is Pickens will end up as that Z primarily. And so we'll see, but I'm, I'm super interested to see what happens in that 11 personnel. Let's take it one step further. Let's talk about 12 personnel mm-hmm. and only two receivers on the field. Now who gets that nod? Like I, I would have to assume that it, it goes to the experience at the beginning of the season. So probably Johnson and Claypool, assuming those guys are both healthy, but let's say we're halfway through the season. George Pickens is impressing. I don't know. Do you, do you see a way where where he notches out uh, Chase Claypool in 12 personnel and becomes the second wide receiver alongside Deontay Johnson in that grouping? I do think it's possible. I think the thing that you have to consider, too, is Pickens is a very, very willing and able blocker, right? Mm-hmm. So especially in 12 personnel where maybe you do want to go you know, tight formations occasionally you want to get the receivers blocking on the edge. He is a, a better fit for that right now. Claypool's obviously a big guy. He tries, but I don't think he's nearly as good of a natural blocker as Pickens is coming out right now. Mm-hmm. So that could 
play a factor into that too. I do think early, like you said, Chase is the more experienced player. He is going to still be able to be dangerous even when he's not playing the slot. We've seen him do it in the past. So he'll definitely, I think, get the nod to start the season. But you're going to see Pickens get in there more often than maybe people think from the get-go and down the line while we go through the season. Yeah, I would say so as well, especially based on what we've seen right now. It's going to be hard to keep that guy watching from the <laughs> sidelines when yeah. he's just making play after play after play. And so super excited to see what he's going to do in this first preseason game here and how much he'll even play. I'm sure he'll get a lot of looks with the starters. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that's really interesting to consider is Pickens and his potential chemistry that he's already developed with a quarterback like Mitch Trubisky, who is mm -hmm. projected to be the Steelers starter at the beginning of the season. Trubisky's coming off a few strong practices. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of separated himself maybe a little bit from the other two quarterbacks, at least, uh, at least right now. And so Pickens is the one that's getting all these reps, right? He's, he's been there the whole time. Uh, Claypool has dealt with a shoulder injury. Well, like we said, Johnson had the holdout. Now the hip flexor, uh, Pickens is the most targeted receiver at camp. He's mm -hmm. the most productive receiver at camp and he's got to play the most reps of any of those receivers running with the number ones. So how much does that play a factor when we go into the season? This isn't Ben Roethlisberger anymore. This isn't the yeah. guy that we guaranteed to pepper <laughs> Deontay Johnson with 150 to 170 yeah. targets a season. So could Pickens be that go-to guy from the start? Or is that, is that way too high a praise? Is that not going to happen? I think it's going to be dependent on what kind of looks they get because Deontay's the guy that like, if you know, you need to get the ball up quickly, he's the guy to throw to, right? Like he's going to separate yeah. very early. If Mitch knows there's a blitz coming or if he gets in a position where he's under pressure and he needs to get the ball, he's going to probably throw to Johnson, right? Cause that's going to be the safest bet. Obviously Pat is a safety net too. Fryermuth will be a good option for that too. But if they want to just basically do a three step and just throw it up to somebody, that's going to be Pickens even early in the season. Like that's definitely his role right out the get go. He's going to be good at that pretty much no matter what. Everything else might take some time. I think getting building rapport now, getting all these reps is going to make it easier to you know, justify playing him more and targeting him more. And I do think it's going to help the rest of the offense because as good as Deontay is, he doesn't have to be getting 150, 160 targets. Like he's better off getting better targets, better quality targets, maybe 20, 30, 40 less this year if they're going to be better quality, some of those going to Pickens down the field, some of them going chase in the slot, more evening that out is going to make them more dangerous on offense and not make it so predictable, which has been the knock on this team really for the past two or three years. Yeah. And what we've seen from Ben Roethlisberger in most of his career is he has that go-to guy, right? Yes, he has that 100%. guy that he loves to go to. And he's very fortunate to be able to go from Ward to Antonio Brown and then to Deontay Johnson late yes. in his career. Um, and so if we just look at the targets from last season, mm -hmm. Deontay Johnson was targeted 169 <laughs> times. The next highest receiver was Chase Claypool at 105. And then as far as receivers go, the next one was Ray Ray McLeod with 66 targets. That is, uh, that's quite the difference in target distribution and quite the market share that Deontay carved out last year. I foresee it being much more even this time around. Although if I were to predict, I still think that Johnson's going to get the most targets and he probably should just based on how, how good we know he is at the X spot and at separating. Uh, how do you see the targets divvying up this year? Like, is there, is there any chance, let me ask you this. Is there any chance that Pickens could surpass Chase Claypool in targets for number two on the team? 
I think that's going to really be based on how Canada wants to run the offense, right? Because we didn't really get a chance to see what he really wants to do, which is the one argument I will give anyone who was happy that Canada came back was that we really didn't see what he's capable of because we knew it was Ben's offense, right? It was going to be throws to Deontay in the flat in the short game. Like that's what it was going to be. So I think if he wants to run a lot of 11 personnel this year, which I feel like he's kind of going to lean more towards 12 personnel a lot and not do as much of spreading it out, especially with the offensive line the way it is right now. Mm-hmm. I think there's a chance because if Pickens does get into that number two receiver role, really, because it's going to early on, it's going to be Deontay Chase and then him most likely. But if he can have that number two role, you know, partway through the season, he's going to get a lot of looks and it may be pretty close. I could see them both hitting around 100 targets with Deontay being around 120, 130, hopefully this year and not you know, close to 170, but it wouldn't surprise me if they're at least within 10 targets of each other this year. Yeah, I would hope so. I, I want to see that target distribution get a lot more even yes. because I think it was just too terribly unbalanced. Uh, yeah. And I think it made everybody's efficiency go down a little bit. They knew, the defenses knew that they were, that Ben was throwing to Deontay all the time. Yeah. It, it made, it made his job a little bit harder. Uh, he certainly wasn't aided by getting extra help by players like McLeod and Washington who really didn't do much of anything yeah. last year and, and they weren't targeted often. So I love at least for those top three receivers, I'd like to see that target distribution. I'm so interested in that this year because not only do you have Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, you also have Pat Fryermuth, who is yeah. an emerging tight end, super excited about him. And Najee Harris carved out 94 targets in the passing game last year. Yeah. In my opinion, that's a little bit too high. Like I'd like to see that number go down. It's probably – probably means you're checking the ball down a little bit too much and he wasn't yeah. overly efficient in that area as well. And so I'd like to see the the targets for the, the running back go down a little bit. Maybe Johnson's targets go down a little bit and those extra targets now that we have to work with go to players like Claypool and Pickens and maybe Calvin Austin gets on the field. So I'll be interested to see what his role is as well. Uh, but it, it certainly looks like Pickens – is on the rise here. Mm-hmm. It looks like he could be in line for a great season. Steelers have a preseason game coming up this Saturday against Seattle Seahawks. Mind-boggling to me that who made this preseason schedule? Why is why are the Seahawks traveling from the West Coast and going across time zones to come to Pittsburgh to play a preseason game? There had to have been something else, something else they could have worked out. I mean, it's not us. We don't have to worry about it, right? But right. I feel bad for them. They they traveled the most by far of any team in the league this year, and so oh, yeah. they're going to be they're going to be just completely jet lagged. So uh, anyway, what do, what do you think uh, the plan is for George Pickens in the first preseason game, and in the preseason in general? How much playing time do you think he's going to get? Is this a guy the Steelers are going to risk playing into the second half of any of these three games, or is it a guy that's just going to roll with the starters essentially? I think definitely with presumably both Deontay and maybe Chase out for this game, depending on what his situation is, I could see him playing at least the entire first half of this first one. I do think as those guys get healthy and they maybe play a little bit, maybe he doesn't have to play quite as much. But I think they want to, even though we've seen him do it in practice in you know situational uh, scenarios as well, just beat everybody he's gone up against, right? We know he can do it at this point. It's just, I think they do want to get a really long look at him in the preseason, just kind of finalize like, okay, is this a guy that's going to get close to hundred targets? Or is this a guy that maybe early in the season, we want to give him a little bit of, not, not a short leash, but let him go out there from certain scenarios and let Chase and Deontay kind of handle things in the meantime. I would like to see him get at least most of the first half in this game, if not the entire one. And then as the preseason rolls along, get him in there with the starters as much as you can. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Steelers try to find that balance when you do have some banged up receivers. And are they going to play it overly cautious with Pickens where he gets a quarter? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, that, that'll it'll, it'll be interesting to see. But in, in their views on him, I think kind of how late he plays in his games might determine what their view of him is from the start. If he's a guy right. that they're planning on having a smaller role or if there's a guy who's like, no, he's, he's in our starter. He's a starter on our depth chart. We want to play him often, and he, we want him to be a star for us. And so I'm interested to see how that works out as well. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say if you're – let's do this for a second. Mm-hmm. Rank your top three players that you are most excited to watch at, at Steelers training camp. I know we can go on about this, but – or I'm sorry, during the preseason this year. Who do you want to see perform at, in the preseason? I think George is definitely the top of my list right now just because the hype is so big right now and justifiably so. I mean, he has, we've talked about it a lot already, he has truly dominated the DPs at camp. Like, it has been clear that he has that it factor as a receiver so far. Obviously, we want to see that, you know, continue on into the preseason and the regular season, but he's definitely number one for me. Have to throw Kenny in there just because I want to see what he looks like on an NFL field. Like, I have certain reservations about him to this point point that I'm you know, curious how soon he's going to really play, but I do want to see what he looks like. He's had a lot of better practices recently. I think he's starting to kind of click with the guys he's been playing with mostly. So that'll be fun to see. And then really, I don't know how much he's going to play at this point, just because he's already an established starter, but I'm so high in Highsmith this year. I really want to see him mm-hmm. just go off as a second edge rusher opposite TJ. I think that TJ could honestly have a better season than last year from an overall standpoint and not have as many sacks because Highsmith is going to clean up some of those. Like, I really think he's going to be even better than he was last year when he was healthy. All right, good. I like that list. I'm going to go just a little bit different here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to put Pickett at number one. Kenny Pickett Fair. because Fair. unfortunately, and I don't, I don't want to be the pessimist here, but nothing <laughs> else is going to matter if this guy doesn't turn out at yes, this point because it's going to set that franchise back a few years. Uh-huh. They're going to have to repeat the process and, and go try to find their quarterback all over again. I want to see some signs of life from him. I want to see yeah. the Kenny Pickett like we saw in his fifth-year senior year in 2021 with Pitt where he was leading them to ACC championship, rolling out, making plays, feeling comfortable. And so I think part of that's going to come in time. Uh, it, as a 24-year-old rookie, I hope that that time doesn't take too long. I know that exactly. if you're a good quarterback, you can last a long time in this league. Oh, yeah. So it's not that big of a factor. But I want to see Kenny Pickett. I want to see him perform well. I'm rooting for the guy. I had him low on my draft board. I wasn't a fan of the pick, but but I'm, I'm certainly going to try to get behind him as much as I can now. Number two, I'd have George Pickens. I, I agree with you there. He's very high on the list. Uh, and, and the difference between the two, especially if Kenny Pickett doesn't see the field this year because Trubisky is doing a serviceable, serviceable job, Pickens is a guy that could make an impact right now. And we've mm-hmm. seen in the past from other teams and from the Steelers how wide receivers have an ability to come into the league and make an impact yes. right away. I think back to like Martavis Bryant, mm-hmm. like that guy, that, <laughs> that guy had a chance to be pretty special. He would have kept his head oh, on yeah. straight and, and uh, yeah. he was making splash plays down the field. One of the d- best deep threats in his first couple seasons. And so uh, interested to see what we get out of Pickens there. And then for my third, I'm going to go with DeMarvin Leal. This is a, a guy that I was high on. This is Steelers third yeah. round pick, the defensive lineman. I was, I was really high on Leal coming out of Texas A&M. Uh, this is a 20-year-old 20, 20 kid, just turned 21. Um, I, I liked his game. Like it's, I, I know that a lot of people were so-so on him. Pro Football Focus didn't like him as much last year. Uh, but, but this kid is flexible. He's bendy. He's quick. 
I think you're talking about a guy that can offer a lot as a pass rusher. So I'm interested to see how he's used. I don't foresee a big role from him this year because of the depth of their defensive line. I think that's one of the strengths of their team. Uh, yeah. But I do see him getting in there in some obvious passing situations and say, hey, go get after the quarterback. And and I've been impressed with what I've seen in terms of like his one-on-ones and, and stacking up against the Steelers' offensive line. And uh, I, I just think that he's a guy that we'll see. The Steelers lost to Stephon to it to retirement. Yeah. Tyson Lulu is not going to be here for long. They could really use another young, promising guy in their defensive line who can be that next generation. And so I'm excited for what he brings to the table. This was a guy that was considered like a top five pick if you were <laughs> if you were to be drafted yeah. a year prior. And so his draft stock really plummeted last year. The Steelers were able to nag him in the in, in nab him in the third round, and and I think that that could prove to be a steal. We'll see. Um, I was pretty high on him, so definitely interested to see where they go with that. All right, let's get back to Kenny Pickett for one more thing now, and I want to talk about what, based off everything we've seen, and this goes back from high school, college to now, in in, in terms of what he's done in training camp. What do you think the ceiling is? on Kenny Pickett. Can you put a player to the face? Like who could this guy be in the NFL if everything goes right? I think that to a certain degree, he does have a cap ceiling because his physical traits are good, especially as an athlete, but he doesn't have the most powerful arm. He is an older prospect. There's a reason why he didn't come out until now. He didn't really show high level NFL talent until really this past season. And even that, does have some question marks with him. I think the thing that he has going for him is he is a naturally accurate passer. He's great on the run. He's a good playmaker. He has some things that he's already shown he's good at that'll kind of lift his his floor a little bit, where even if he's never a great processor of the field, if he's never a great pocket player, just because he does have some skittishness in the pocket, he's going to have that to lean on to still make plays. I think if we're talking, he could be a top 15-ish quarterback at his best, especially if he's really on and he's, his accuracy continues to get better and he does learn to play a little bit better from the pocket whenever the, when there is pressure around him. If he doesn't add that to his game, if he doesn't improve on those things, I think he's still a starting caliber quarterback, but it may be closer to the bottom, you know, six to ten guys. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with your assessment basically of him on there and uh, his pocket presence needs to improve for yes, sure. For That's sure. something that, he was aided by a good offensive line at Pitt. Mm-hmm. He had one of the longest times to throw of any of the quarterbacks drafted last year. And it was not a particularly good draft class either. I had Pickett no. uh, as my 48th overall player. I hope he proves me wrong. I hope that yeah. he proves to be worth that 20th overall selection. Um, if everything went well for him, and I've written this in an article before, uh, I can see some similarities between his game and a guy like Tony Romo. Now I know that that's, yes. I, I think that's too high of praise personally. Probably. Uh, yeah. But but when you watch, you watch the film, mm-hmm. I, I see a guy who is at his best when he is making plays, extending yes. the play, keeping his eyes downfield. Pickett did test as a 95th percentile athlete, which yes, I was a very good athlete. Uh, yeah. He's a good athlete and at 99th percentile, 10 yard split. So this is a guy that can, that can go and escape the pocket if need be. Um, and I think he's, I think he's at his best throwing on the run. So I'm interested to see what happens with that. Let's do this one more time, Shane, and let's do this with George Pickens, who we've been talking about. What do you think George Pickens's ceiling is? Is there a player comp that you have for him? Uh, and what does his career look like if everything goes right? 
As far as a player comp, it's kind of tough because he's an interesting build at receiver, right? Because he's not – he's about 200 pounds roughly or so. He's still 6'3". He's a taller player. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of lanky a little bit. He's tough, though, which is helpful. It kind of makes it so that when he does go up in the air for the ball, he still fights through contact and can make those contested catches. But honestly, I think a more juiced-up Mike Williams for the Chargers, that guy okay. doesn't have as much get-up-and-go, I think, as Pickens does. But they both are dominant ball winners down the field. They're both best and most comfortable in those situations. And I do think, similarly to Williams, the route running does need some improvement if he wants to get better on certain route combinations. But just as a downfield, you know, stretch the field threat, I think he compares pretty favorably to him. And as far as overall receivers, he's he he has the talent to be a top 15 receiver in the NFL. Like, mm-hmm. we already have arguably one in Deontay, depending on how you rank the receivers right now. I think he has a more physical build to him. I think he has more physical traits than Deontay obviously does. They win differently, of course. But I think he could easily find himself in that conversation if everything works out. Yeah, and I, I've comped him to Mike Williams in the past too. And again, not in terms of body type. Williams is a thicker dude, a mm-hmm. little bit bigger. Uh, but but Pickens does have that very similar downfield play style where he's just yes. attacked the football, and I love that about him. Uh, my comp for him was Devontae Parker. And I think okay. this is a guy that, that kind of goes unnoticed sometimes, but a quality football player who oh, yeah. always hasn't had the best quarterback play to work with and, and Pickens might be in a similar situation yeah, as possibly. far as that goes. Yeah. And so uh, I think the ceiling could be higher than that, but I think it's likely that he could be a Devontae Parker level player, uh, maybe up to like a, a T Higgins level player or something right. along that lines, even though testing wise, he's quite a bit better athlete than that. And so super excited about what we could potentially get out of him in the future. All right. I think we talked about pretty much everything that we want to cover as far as George Pickens goes and Roquan Smith. So thank you, Shane, for joining the podcast today. You can follow him at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Still Curtain podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also check us out on YouTube. And thanks for listening to the Still Curtain podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.